turn in your Bibles. Very simple, easy reading today as we end this. We're ending this, this um, really, in my opinion, powerful part of Romans. And that is Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Let's read that together, if you would. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. We've been talking about it's time you quit. And by now you all know that that title means it's time that you quit being a moralist. It time, it's time that you quit being good in your own eyes. It's time that you quit being religious. It's time that you quit being churchy about life. It's time to be real with God. And Paul has been standing so firm and so beautifully uh, throughout these eight chapters. Uh, but now we come to this part as we close this section out uh, with, I hope, is a very exciting and beautiful a challenge to us. I'll read verse 16. If you together would read verse 17. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Before we pray, check it out. The Spirit Himself, Holy Spirit. Notice that Spirit, down in verse 17, Christ. Notice verse 16 at the end, God, the Trinity is in those two verses. Watch this. It's the Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit, that bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We touched on that last week regarding the assurance of the believer. Verse 17 is where we're at. And if, or some of your Bibles rightly say the words, since means the same, or because we are children of God. That being true, watch this. Notice the progression of your inheritance. You're a child. You've been born again into the family. Okay? Romans tells us that that born-again experience is via adoption by God. We are now heirs. We're not only heirs. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Remarkable statement. We'll find out more about this today. If or since indeed we suffer with him, we're going to find out what suffering and what type of suffering he's speaking about, that we may also be glorified together. And that's the punchline for today, being glorified together. What does it mean? It's going to happen to every single one of us as believers in this room. You are going to be glorified together with one another, with Christ, with God the Father, the Holy Spirit, it is going to be an absolute epic entrance into eternity forever, and it will be the ultimate consummation of your redemption. It's called glory. And right now, our bodies are not in glory. Our spirit and souls, they reside in glory. We've been born again. We can't wait to get the glory. In fact, the big battle with us is that this body, which has not been glorified yet, is the problem. My body's my problem. It's always causing me problems. Why? Because it has not yet been redeemed. It's got to die or get raptured. Rapture or rupture, it's good news for us. And that time of entering into glory... Is going to be fantastic. Father, give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today. We pray now in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated, church.
It's time that you and I quit in our efforts and to frankly know God. From the opening moments of the very ministry of Jesus Christ, it's all about, notice all of his actions is to draw people into knowing him. And when you open up the first chapters of all four gospels, you see Jesus and his, his ministry being commenced after his wilderness temptation uh, battle with Satan for 40 days. Jesus commissions by the power of the spirit his earthly ministry. And immediately you see him assembling together people to know him. That's what God wants in your life. He wants you to know him. And uh, he wants you to know also that he knows you, which is a very encouraging thing. And uh, it's the heart of God. It's the eternal message of, of Christ is that you can know God. Jesus exists. Jesus came. The revelation of the gospel is that we might know God. And uh, that should be our quest in life. In the book of Exodus, I think it's probably, I'm guessing because I don't know the mind of God, but... I don't think I'm far off when I read the Bible and then come to this conclusion that when Moses, and I'm going to read it to you in a moment, when Moses asked God for something, it had to put a smile on God's face. When Moses requested, in fact, he wouldn't let it go. When Moses made a certain request, it it had to warm the heart of God. And it's this, in Exodus 33, verse 18 Moses says to God, please show me your glory. If you read chapter 33, you hear Moses and God talking back and forth with each other. They're on Mount Sinai. They're speaking one to another. God is giving Moses instruction. God is saying, I'm going to have you lead these people. And Moses is saying, that's just great, but I, I want to see your glory. And God, God keeps talking. And... Uh, God says, I'm going to be with you. And Moses says, but I want to see your glory. And God's telling Moses how he's going to lead them. And and Moses says, but I want to see your glory. I think that warms the heart of God. If today, imagine if somebody came up to you today and said, listen, I just love you because I love you. You how it's like your 16-year-old coming up and saying, Dad, I love you so much. You start reaching for your wallet. You start hiding the car keys. What's up? Moses just says, God, I want to see your glory. It's all I want. Wasn't that the cry of David? Oh, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That puts a smile on the face of Almighty God. Because our God is relational. And to be wanted just because of who you are is the way a relationship should be built. And Moses says, I don't want riches. Remember, Solomon was commended. Do you remember all that? Right when David died, Solomon, all he wants from God is wisdom on how to lead his people. And God says, Solomon, you've asked for all of these things. And I'm going to give you all of that and wisdom that no man has ever or will ever have. I'm going to bestow that upon you as well. But I'm going to favor you, Solomon. And it's for this reason. You could have asked anything for yourself and you didn't do it. You asked 
regarding a relational situation between me and my people. And for that, you blessed my heart, Solomon. And that's what we want to be careful about as Christians. That we realize, everybody, and <laughs> that glory is the ultimate end for all of us. You need to remember that. And, and by the way, I think you're going to be reminded of that a lot in the future that's coming in our world around us. Things may come and go. Listen, the Bible says don't trust in riches because it can sprout wings and fly away. Our world may shake. There are so many factors in move, in play right now. We're going to be talking about some of those on Wednesday night. Amir Serfati and I are going to sit down and talk about what's going on in Russia, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on in Israel and the world around Iran and all of that stuff. And what's going on, by the way, we're going to talk quite a bit on the issue of those congressional hearings this last week in Washington, D.C., as one U.S. military official after another gives testimony of their encounters with UFOs. Have you been watching this on C-SPAN? And uh, naval aviators, Air Force pilots, satellite control and command officers, um, all kinds of stuff, footage, video. What's going on? Well, come Wednesday night, we'll tell you. We can answer that. It's in the Bible. But God's glory is the focal point and nothing should pull you off of that. The job that you and I have is to put food on the table so that our kids can eat and a roof over our head. Outside of that, everybody, our target is set on the glory of God. That's where we're going. You want a good retirement program? Oh, yes, I've worked really hard. For, no, no, I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about the retirement program that's in Christ. Glory. And when Moses said, show me your glory, that word in Hebrew is kabad. And it means this, show me your essence. The word means your matter, as in weighty. Isn't that interesting? You who are behind the veil, that's what he's asking. Show me the one who's behind the veil. Show me the one who uh, is behind it all. Moses understood that. Show me the one who is abounding. The one that is honored. By the way, the word means show me the one who's fierce. Wow. The one who's immovable. He cannot be moved. The unmovable God. And this is probably, I think, one of the greatest requests of the Old Testament. But it's certainly the request of the New Testament heart that I pray is in your chest and is in mine. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. 1 John 2, verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. In other words, we don't know what we're going to look like. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The anticipated desire of glory. Few more introductory arguments to this. Colossians 2, verse 9. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Colossians 2, 9. I love this. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human or in a human body. In bodily form, that is. Think about that. The glory of God is revealed in Jesus Christ to mankind. And we're going to see him someday. The Bible says... Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How's that going to work out, everybody? It's going to happen. 
The Bible says so. How is that going to happen? There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One. But the Bible says there's going to be a day coming in glory when the pure in heart, which is all of you who are believers, God is making your heart pure every day. And your desire to see Christ drives you and motivates you to live a life that is pure before God. There's going to be a day when the Bible says, Jesus said it himself, you're going to see God. To say that means you're going to see the totality of God. You're not just, there's, oh look, there's Jesus and there's the Father, but nobody can see the Spirit. Nope, it's not going to be that way. You will see God. How's that going to work? That should keep you up all night tonight, trying to figure that one out. I want to steal a quote from our good friend, Eric Metaxas, who introduced me to this great statement. And you heard it here that night he was speaking to us. There's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. What a great statement that is. And Psalm 24, verse 1 backs that up. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all, uh, all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Do you guys believe that verse? I have to tell you, I read that verse and I, 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 I put it on my notes and I had to really think on that for a moment because if you don't believe that verse, you're going to get caught up in all kinds of things that are going to give you uh, tension or pressure. Say, what do you mean? Well, first of all, the earth is the Lord's. I mean, that's kind of easy to conclude. What what are we going to do about that? God owns the earth in all of its fullness. All right, no problem. Sure. That's so big. The world and those who dwell in it. Now you're getting a little personal. Are you with me? Because what about that person that troubles you? What about that person that's threatening you? What about that person who is attacking or whatever it might be? The Bible says that the world and those who dwell in it, it's under God's control. Leave it with him. And that's quite an awesome thing. We're almost there. We're almost into this study. Acts chapter 4, verse 11 to 12. I'm going to give you two passages of scripture. They dovetail together beautifully. It's Philippians 2.7 and Acts 4.11. Acts 4.11 says, This is the stone which the builders, or which King James's builders rejected, you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Speaking about Jesus, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's Jesus. So how how do you know? Philippians 2 verse 7. Who coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, get a load of this, and those under the earth, the spirit realm. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Say amen to that. That is absolutely awesome. That's who we're talking about. All about glory. You're going to be in heaven forever with Jesus. 
And if you really believe that, you've got to want to tell others about that. Now, I had not too long ago, I don't know where to get it. If you know, let me know. Lisa and I were at this little restaurant and they served a little scoop, one scoop of what looked like ice cream. It, it looked just like vanilla ice cream until you put your spoon in it and put it to your mouth. And it was almost like a religious experience. <laughs> it was coconutty. It was pineapple-y. It was va- vanilla-like. It was, you could almost close your eyes and see a tropical paradise. And you know what I did? I started telling people about it. You say, well, that's ridiculous. I know, isn't it? That I would say, hey, you, know, you should try this dessert. Why? Because it was wonderful. If Jesus is wonderful, and if you've tasted that the Lord is good, Will you not tell others? Will you not want to tell them? Nobody will have to grab you and, and, and make you because Christ is in you and you're sampling the glory to come. You've got to tell other people. Oh, pastor, there you go again. No, then, then listen, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about those who know Jesus. No, let's be honest. Come on, let's be honest. If you know him, you can't stop talking about him. If you know him, how can you take that and be ashamed of it? Seriously, this is a dividing rod. There is no hope of glory for the religious individual who just has religion. They don't even think about glory. They just think about getting through day in, day out. And I'll go to church on Sunday. And if not Sunday, I'll go to church at Christmas. And if not Christmas, then Easter. Versus, I trust you, who Christ is in you. You're excited about that. The Bible is absolutely eating you up from the inside out. And you've got to tell other people about him, which leads us to our third and final closing argument. And it's this in verse 17. Don't just look at it. That is salvation. That is our future. Enjoy it. Did you know that? The, the shorter Westminster Catechism, I'll, I'm not going to quote it exactly. I should have written it down. But it, it says something to this effect. What is, what is man's chief purpose? Man's chief purpose is to know God or to love God and to enjoy him forever. Isn't that awesome? What we want to do as a church, as a brother, as a sister, is start enjoying God. And when you look at what he has in store for us, and when you look at what he's done for us, you ought to enjoy him. Sincerely. By the way, in in a darkening world, this is going to be life-saving. Look, uh, if we knew that the greatest fallout from COVID would be suicide, we would have prepared people regarding hope in in, in, in dangerous times, are you with me? So the next thing that comes, we're smarter now. You're smarter now. The, the next, whatever it is, we're going to dial down and focus more on hope than whatever is coming. 
Everybody ran around talking about this thing or that thing, put on a mask, put, get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine, don't wear a mask, put a helmet on, just stay indoors, get outdoors, breathe, breathe, don't breathe. All this stuff, you know what? We don't need to go down that road ever again. There's one road we know for sure, and that, that is if, if it's a virus or if it's a nuclear bomb falling from the sky, put your trust in Christ. Put your hope in him. There's glory that is awaiting. God takes his people to heaven. And we've got an eternal life ahead of us. I can't wait. It's going to be incredible. Number one, this way, enjoy it. He has taken you in. That's what we've been learning. Adoption. We were, we're learning this in this chapter 8. He's adopted us. He's called us his children. He tells us to call us his father. Not only just father. He, call, he has us say, Abba. Papa. Father. All of these beautiful things. Why? That we might enjoy the fact that he has taken us in. There's not one of us that ought to be exempt from the family of God. Oh my goodness, why would you do that? Why would you keep yourself out of the family when God is saying, please come to me? But I speak to the believer. Paul is writing to the believers in Rome. Verse 17, and if or since children, if we're the children of God, as I said earlier, some of your Bibles say, since we are the children of God, watch what happens. Then heirs. Wow. Look, if you are a child of Elon Musk, you don't even know. You don't have a clue what you are an heir of. Are you tracking with me? You think those little kids of his know? They know, oh my goodness. I got at least a couple billion coming to me. (laughs) Could you imagine? All the money in the world is zero in God's economy though. I don't know anything about Elon Musk personally. But I can tell you this, I'm richer than he is if he doesn't know Jesus. Because at, at, the, at, his, at his death, his riches expire. That's not true. It goes to his heirs. That is true for the heirs. But he ain't taking nothing into eternity. Nothing. Neither will you, neither will I, unless, unless right now, as believers, we've laid up for ourselves treasures where? In heaven. All based on God's economy. It's not going to be silver or gold or anything else like that. It's going to be all of these things of this grand life that God has given you and I to live out for his glory. Whatever you and I do. Like Malachi 3. God says he writes it in his book of remembrance. If you help the little old lady from Pasadena across the street. God writes that down. If you give a drink to somebody, God writes that down. If you express love and share the... Are you with me? God writes that down. And that's going to bring him glory in the end. But he takes us in. And he has taken us in. That word heir is this. To be a recipient of. To be a recipient of what is another's, obviously. An inheritance, we would say. Uh, What is gifted to us. Or bequeathed. By position or wealth, what is given to us that is the benefit that flows forth from another. We are heirs. Something is left to you. And it's quite amazing. But that's not, that's, that's not all of it. He takes you in and the Bible says he makes us joint heirs. This is really heavy duty people. Joint heirs with Christ. 
This is, I'm going to tell you the, the biblical truth. I got to tell you, it, it, I need more faith to take this in. Joint heirs means this, to be co-inheritor. So co, you mean all of us are co? Nope, that's not what it means. It means not only a fellow heir, one who receives what is of another, a shared inheritance. It's not, watch everybody, you, you, you should have to get excited for this. It's not like $100 is left and we share it all among each other. You go, what, what fun is that? I'll get like a quarter of a penny in a crowd this big. Well, that's not what it means. It means whatever has been given to Jesus, each individual receives the exact same thing that's been given to Jesus. The inheritance that Christ receives from the Father as being the resurrected Savior of the world, and you and I, the Bible tells us, becoming the bride of Christ... We share in the same. I don't understand it. I can tell you all about it. I just don't understand it. As we read, the earth is the Lord's and all the fullness thereof. And somehow in eternity, that's going to matter to you. And I don't know what that means. I kind of don't want to know what it means. But I bet you it's part of heaven. I bet you it's part of us taking forever to figure it out. I bet it's so amazing. It's just going to freak you out, blow your mind every day. Glory, heaven. Why? Because he's taken us in. Galatians chapter four, verse five. Galatians four, five says, and to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. In God's family, the adopted children are appointed. Remember this, everybody. You're an expert now in the law of Roman adoption. Roman adoption is more powerful than, a, a, than somebody giving birth to their own blood. Roman adoption can trump someone's bloodline. Isn't that amazing? I may, listen, if I lived in first century Rome, I could have five kids that are of my bloodline. And I, I, I may not like either one of them. Or I may love all of them. But none of them have got the wherewithal. To handle my wealth. And my power. And my seat of authority in Rome. But I have this guy. This young man. And he can. And he's the one I march down to the forum. In Rome. And say. This is my only son. So people would say. Wait a minute. He's got four kids at home. No, everybody understood. This is his only son because he's leaving it all to him. That's the word that God says to you. I have adopted you by making a declaration. You are my son. You are my daughter. And I leave it all to you. What an amazing God. He's taken us in. And that's by that powerful act of adoption. Uh, John chapter 10. I'm going to read John 10 beginning at verse 2. Jesus is speaking, but he who enters uh, by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Speaking of himself. To him, the doorkeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own by name and leads them out. Ask yourself, is this your life? Is Jesus describing your life? And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. I love that. Jesus never sends me anywhere where he hasn't first gone. I love that. And the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. Verse 5. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. 
but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. What does this mean? Those who belong to Jesus will not follow a false teacher or a false prophet. They will not get involved in a false religion. I mean, I don't mean to upset anybody when I say this, but I'm a big fan of Walter Martin when he says this. Walter Martin, way back, anybody remember? You and I do. Way, way back in the 70s and 80s, Dr. Walter Martin uh, said numerous times, he said, you should thank God for the cult that's down the street from your church. And everybody went, what? And he said, those cult buildings are filled with people who have a hunger for religion, but they don't want anything to do with Jesus. And so they're in a cult. He said, and here's the punchline. If that cult wasn't open to hold those people, they would be sitting in your church. Think of that. Jesus said, when I speak, my sheep hear my voice, they follow me. When a stranger speaks, they don't listen to strangers. But someone who's lost will heap up strangers to themselves that tickle and, you know, excite their ears. Oh, did you hear what was said? They, they got, the conference was amazing. They, they just told us how awesome we are. That Jesus is awesome, I'm awesome, you're awesome, we're all awesome. And uh, we, can, we can just, you know, we don't have to, there's no repentance in that message. There's no, there's none of that stuff. There's no following Christ. Follow yourself, follow what, follow what makes you happy. And they throw a cross up on it and people flock to that. Jesus says, watch out for that. Verse six, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own or by my sheep, some of your translations say. His own kids know him. His own flock knows him. Verse 15. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Here it comes. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. I believe he was speaking about the believers that were Jews. Because that's what was before him at that moment. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd, Jesus said. I love that. So I want to give you these things about enjoying him. Why should we... And how should we enjoy him? Number one, enjoy this. Enjoy this. His desire to both know you and to be known by you. You ought to celebrate that. You ought to uh, enjoy that. That's going to be part of our glory uh, with him in heaven. God's desire, church, found in the Bible, is that he desires to know you and for you to know him. Secondly, his willingness to pursue you until the end of your life. That's true in the believer's life. And maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian, but God is still pursuing you and pursuing you. My dear friend, uh, don't put him off. 
Don't come to the end of your life not having accepted Christ. That would be a tragedy on your part. His mission to rescue you from out of this world. Enjoy that. Am I, I, I know, I, I know I cannot be alone on this. The more I look at the news, the more I drive around, the more I see this world, the less I feel at home here. Why? Because he's got a mission going on and it's a rescue mission to get you and I out, out of this world. And it's happening every day, by the way, in our lives. As we draw closer to him, we get closer to him. Less of the world is influencing us and in us. Enjoy this, his power to seal you because you belong to him. We've talked about this before. His power to seal you is a very powerful truth. By the way, Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6. We've sang this song before. It's a beautiful song. This is regarding, depends on who you're studying. This is obviously Solomon and his fiancée in the Song of Solomon. But the Jews view it as uh, the Father, God, and Israel. Uh, Some say it's a picture of Christ and the church. Some say it's a picture between a husband and a wife. Look, I don't care what you say. It's beautiful. And here it is. You set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy, this is a holy jealousy. This is a good jealousy. This is a jealousy whereby I love you so much I cannot share you with others. That's a beautiful thing. As demanding as the grave, its flashes are flashes of fire. The very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. That's God's love for you. And he has sealed you, the Bible tells us. He's, he's, as it were, written your name. The next is this. Enjoy this fact that his love for you, his love to secure you every single hour of the day. To secure you at all times. Did you fly here? Are you flying somewhere? Tomorrow's Monday. You heading to work someplace? Heading out of town? Getting on the freeway? Uh, Whatever it might be. Just know this. The fact of the matter is the love of God will secure you. Always securing you. Speaking to you as a child. Making sure that you're comforted. In the family of God. And it's all a prerequisite to the glory that you and I are going to inherit in heaven. Friends, I don't know how to say this, but to just say it in a clumsy manner. Jesus said, the kingdom of God dwells within you. Did he not say that? The kingdom of God is inside of the true believer, and the true believer knows that they're here on earth for God's purposes now, but if given the choice, we would go home. If given the choice... We want to see glory. Now, we are patient because we don't have to hurry. We want to, but we don't have to. If God wants to have me here for another 20 years, that's God's business. If it's 20 minutes, that's God's business. But what I do with my life for his glory now matters in heaven's glory. The life that you live and how you live it as a believer will translate into future glory. You can uh, Google this later if you'd like, but it's coming from memory, which is always dangerous. But Jonathan Edwards, 
Still to this day, the greatest, considered the greatest intellect America has ever produced. Jonathan Edwards said something to this effect. I am living my life now for Christ so that I may obtain the greatest amount of happiness in heaven. You say, well, that sounds kind of selfish. That sounds kind of self-centered. Well, you need to know a little bit about Jonathan Edwards' life. But if you do, it's a perfect desire. What a wonderful thought. Does does the thought of glory excite you? And again, if it does, you're going to want to bring others with you. Enjoy this, his ability to keep you. I love this one perhaps the most. It seems like it's always in effect in my life. His ability to keep you so that you'll never be lost. Church family, that's a beautiful thing. Because of this reason, you and I may be quick to condemn ourselves. But the Bible says in 1 John, if we condemn ourselves, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Isn't that a great passage? According to the Bible, once I accepted Christ as Lord and Savior by his grace... He sealed me with his Holy Spirit as he did you, the believer. And the scripture says that he's committed to seeing you and I all the way through to get us into glory. And I lean on him for that. I trust him for that. Enjoy this. It's his passion to include you in the grand display of his eternity. (laughs) This is going to be amazing. You know, we live this out in a small way. Have you ever been to somebody's house and they've achieved something? They got a trophy They have a trophy on the shelf, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. It's on display. And you might even ask, what's that for? Yeah. Um, Awards, notoriety, whatever it might be. It happens in this world. I would submit to you today that that's just a little cute little freckle of of what God is going to do regarding your glory with him in heaven forever. You start thinking about the things that we do see in this fallen world, but are enough displayed whereby we can see the correlation. The life that we live, as I said earlier, will translate into eternity. Faithfulness. The Bible says it's the number one thing, by the way. Number one thing. For the Christian life. You say, well, I'm trying my hard to be like Billy Graham. You're not going to be like Billy Graham. I'm trying my hard to be like Charles Stanley. You're not going to be like Charles Stanley. You're not supposed to be. God is, thank God, right? Thank God God's not going to say, okay, Jack, Jack, next on the day of judgment. Jack, all right. So I, I had you written down to be just like Charles Stanley. You didn't do that. How come? He will not do that. He'll, he'll, next. Hey, Jack, I see you made it. Awesome. Holy Spirit, good job. <laughs> I know he didn't always make it easy. So, so you were spared um, in life t- uh, so that you might live it. And, you, and so you were to do these things to my glory. Um, and so were you faithful? Were you faithful to the things that I tailor made for your life to be lived out? My dear friend, whatever your name is, insert your name. He's not going to say, did you do what Jack did? Or did you do what Fred did? Or did you do what Barney or Wilma or Betty did? 
He's going he's gonna to say, I gave, you, I gave you certain things to do. The believer finds out what those things are. Every, every Christian, listen, I'm telling you right now, a Christian will, will do anything and everything to find out what is it. You'll fast, you'll pray, you'll get alone, you'll seek God, whatever it might be. You'll cry out to him to find out what is it, oh Lord. And he's going to remind you or he's going to tell you that this is your life. And listen, at the end, you and I are going to be judged on one thing, our faithfulness to what he called you to do. That's exciting. Even if it's scary, it's exciting. Because if it's scary, then it's motivating, (laughs) right? Oh, my. The second thing is this, church, is that enjoy it. He has made you rich. I just, I paused for a moment to see. I'm sure there'd be those that would take a clip and put that on some blab it and grab it uh, prosperity thing. No, I'm talking about rich in things that cannot be bought. It says, if indeed we suffer with him, Say, Jack, okay, what is it? What do you mean rich? Suffer, suffer, rich. How can this, how can these two come together? I got news for you, my dear Christian brother and sister. You can't have riches without suffering. And you can't, listen, you can't go through biblical suffering without getting rich. I'm talking about spiritual wealth that only, are you hearing me? Only suffering with Jesus can produce that kind of result of wealth. We're not talking gold, silver here. We're not talking money. You got me? We're talking about the wealth that comes to the believer that's only through suffering. And now nobody wants to sign up for suffering. But listen, if I explain this correct, we're going to want to get in line for it. See, how can you possibly mean that? Because when it says, if indeed we suffer with him, it means this. The day-to-day challenges of your Christian life, walking with Jesus... In this world is difficult, nonstop, always happening. Why? Because you know him and he knows you. Because you know him and he knows you, you and I are outliers. We are anomalies. We are um, oddballs. We're Jesus freaks. And the world, the world doesn't, they don't understand us. They don't understand what we're doing. They don't understand what we care for or what we love. They don't get it. Of course they don't get it. Be nice to the world. Because listen, when we were in the world, we didn't understand the Christian either. Let's be honest. But they were, look, I grew up, there were Christians in the, in the 70s, in the late 60s and 70s at the beach in the summer. The only thing you worried about was being interrupted by Christians. I don't know if you know that in Orange County. No, Seriously. Nobody was going to bother you, except, oh, here they come, here they come. (laughs) Am I right? Do you remember them? It's like an invasion. And they're handing out tracts. Here, man, you want to know Jesus? (laughs) Well, friends, family of God, (laughs) the rich, the wealth, 
The estate that God wants to leave with us comes through this association with Jesus. Circle the word suffering, and it's the suffering that you and I experience, listen, when we get in trouble for knowing Jesus. It's not talking about cancer. It's not talking about getting beat up. It's not talking about anything else specifically. It's talking about the believer being in trouble in this world because the believer knows Jesus. Now, when you put it that way, sign me up. I want to go to the front of the line if that's what it means. If I'm going to get yelled at for being a Christian, then yell at me. Are you with me? If I'm going to be hated by this world because the world hates Jesus and I'm a Jesus person, then hate me. Do you understand? There's total glory in this. That only gets better. Jesus said it this way. If you reject me in this world, then I must reject you before my father, which is in heaven. But if you proclaim me, acknowledge me in this world, I will acknowledge you before my father, which is in heaven. Do you see? This is hard. But again, I stress it's the words of Jesus. If you're ashamed of me, he's saying, then you're forcing me to be ashamed of you in the day of judgment. You don't want to be ashamed of them. How can you be ashamed of them? So pretty soon, it, it, the NFL practices have begun. And it happens every year. As the season gets closer, pregame, then, uh, or preseason, I should say, even, even during preseason, do you know what happens to this congregation? There's Charger jerseys, Rams Jerseys, 49er jerseys. There's somebody that sits up front every Sunday with a 49er jersey during football season. We need to have a special service for this person. I'll be wearing my Washington Redskins jersey, Sam Howell. Pray for our brother, Sam Howell. He's going he's gonna to tear it up by God's grace. I'll, I'll have number 14 on there, but... Um, Say, what's the deal? Hey, we wear that stuff because, all right. I I heard you. I said Redskins, didn't I? That's because of the Washington Redskins. Um, Don't let somebody rob you of that great name, man. If I were the the Indians in in New England, I'd be upset. They took away... They took away their standard and they, the commanders? Well, my point is this. Rams, chargers! And then listen. And then, and then, Jesus. <laughs> right? We go to the games. Yay! And then we go to church. And say, praise the Lord. (laughs) We should reverse it. Go Rams. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, listen, he's made us rich. He's made us rich in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3 verse 7 tells us, Philippians 3, 7, but what things were gained to me, says Paul, these things I've counted lost for Christ. 
Yet indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Most of us do not appreciate that statement and we have no idea how much loss Paul went through. But what we do know if we've studied church history is Paul was once a Pharisee, which means he had to be married. Pharisees made a lot of money. They had unlimited power. And it's believed in church history that when Paul came to Christ, his wife left him. He was kicked out of Judaism for his faith in Jesus. Lost everything. And you find him in the book of Acts needing handouts from churches just to eat. And Paul said, it's all good. It's all good. Everything worth living for I've laid up in heaven. I talk about heaven. I talk about Christ. I talk about forgiveness. I talk about love, Paul would say. I talk about the incredible authority of God and the sovereignty of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. What else is there to talk about? But whatever we do comes under all of that. He said, I, su- I suffered the loss of all things. Psalm 73, verse 25. Psalm 73, 25 says, whom, I have in- whom, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Wow. Beautiful. Lamentations 3, 24. I say to myself, this is, by the way, Christian. Always, always remember this. We should always preach what we learn to ourselves. Our tendency is to preach what we learn to other people. No, what, what is preached to us, we are to preach it to ourselves and then other people will see it, not hear it. Okay? I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. My, what an awesome verse for a family to have like painted on their wall. Isn't that beautiful? And then we end here. Enjoy this fact that he made you whole. This is, this is thrilling for me. He made us whole. Can I be specific? When he saved us, he put the pieces back together. And he's putting them back together. And ultimately, on that final moment, when we are totally redeemed, that is when our bodies are resurrected, that will be the final piece to the puzzle. Is my body will no longer need Advil like it did this morning. Stretching my, my back was hurting this morning. I'm stretching my back. I'm trying to stretch it. Then I hurt my back stretching it. No one's going to be in heaven like this. Can you guys wait? Can you guys just wait up? Isn't that going to be glorious? It's going to be perfect. It's going to be wonderful. But it's, listen, it starts now. By him doing what he wants to do with you on the inside. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Never read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 alone. You have to read verse 10 with it. Every, a lot of people make a mistake here. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Don't stop there. Don't stop there. Because if you stop there, you'll be thinking, well, we just don't know nothing. But God, verse 10, has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Do you know what that means? It means the things that cannot be known in the natural mind, the Holy Spirit will speak to the believer when you talk to him about eternal things. God will tell you secrets, as it were, beautiful things. Colossians 3 verse 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we also will appear with him in what? Glory. We're almost done. We're coming quickly now to the end. Philippians 3 verse 21. He who transformed our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Oh, we've got a future church. I'm going to give you three steps and we're done. Number one, step one. Isaiah 43, verse 10. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen. Grab that verse and make it your own. God says you're my witness. I've chosen you. You say, Jack, that's an Old Testament verse. Excuse me. Yes, it is. But has he not chosen you, the believer? Yeah. Didn't he tell you to go out and witness to the ends of the world? Yeah. There you go. Step two. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, or behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age or the end of the world. Church, you can't lose. He's chosen you. He's called you to go out and be his witness. He's empowered you to the end. And then thirdly, finally, it's this. Step three, Daniel 12, three. You want to set up a great forever in heaven? Daniel 12, three says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So church family, we're going to literally do this. This, is, this was the teaching, now is the lab. Those cards are in the courtyard. You grab them. But only grab them if you intend to use them. In fact, don't worry. We'll grab maybe five of them, ten of them at the most. We'll get more of them. But as you go to... Breakfast this morning. Maybe all of you are going to go to Flo's, right? They need your help again. Uh, when you go to Flo's, look around and say, hey, in fact, blame me. I'm in so much trouble now. It's okay. <laughs> say, hey, you know what? Our pastor said that we should hand this over. Maybe you ought to check it out and put it on their table. Why? Because I... Uh, <laughs> If I'm in heaven and my grandkids aren't in heaven, 
if I'm in heaven and my wife's not in heaven, if I'm in heaven and my kids aren't there, if I'm in heaven and you're not there, or if you're in heaven and I'm not there, <laughs> that'll really stink. But if something's beautiful, if something is wonderful, you must tell others. And so our desire is his desire to bring with us as many men and women, boys and girls, as we possibly can. Because Satan hates us, hell is for real, and that's why Jesus came. So none of us would have to go there. He died on the cross for all of our sins. That's why it's so, so silly for us to say, I don't need him. Yes, you do. You had a bad thought, didn't you? You selfish, grumpy, lustful. You need him, like us. He died on the cross for your sins. The Bible says so. But then that's not all. He rose again from the dead to guarantee your resurrection. Eternal life. It's free. It cost him everything, but it's free. But it cost him everything. Which means we love him back. Father, we praise you for your word. We thank you so much for your goodness. Almighty God, if there's any religion hanging around us, if we've got some self-made man-made system that's rivaling somewhere in our heart, a place for you to sit, if you've got to walk around our soul and try to hunt for a place to find home, then we're in deep trouble. If our little house inside of our chest is full of us, then there's no place for you. But if we say, Lord, come into my life, scoot me over, move me out, push me out, come on in, Jesus, take my life, do with it as you wish, because I know it's going to be amazing. So, Lord, I give you my life. We commit our lives to you, Father, and we thank you that glory awaits We praise you now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Church, let's sing of his glory as we stand right now. God bless you guys.